0: Well, good evening and welcome to our study on the Augsburg Confession. We're looking at articles chapter, or article 6 and articles 20. And today, uh, as we do that, you might be wondering if you're just joining us, what is the Augsburg Confession? At the end of this video, I'm going to have a couple uh, links that'll be here. at kind of this end scene uh, for the video where you can just click on the video that answers that question a couple weeks ago, we dived into the history of the Augsburg Confession, what is it? Uh, we also formally started our investigation of the Augsburg Confession uh, last week as we looked at Article 4. We didn't start at Article 1 um, because the Augsburg Confession presents um, pieces of doctrine that, uh, that the Reformers presented to the Church, uh, to the Catholic Church, and the first three articles weren't in dispute uh, there was no, not much debate about them, but Article 4 is a biggie. It's about justification, how we are saved. And if you're familiar with the Reformation, you know that that was a foundational debate when it comes to uh, those times. So, real quick, if you're wondering, okay, well, what, what is the Augsburg Confession? I'll give you the short answer, but again, going to point you to the video that we'll uh, have displayed here at the end with kind of our end scene um, at the end of the video. I've said the end several times now. So, The Augsburg Confession is a document that was written by Luther Melanchthon. Luther Melanchthon, I said that really fast, I'm sorry. Melanchthon, it's kind of a weird name. And uh, he was Luther's right-hand man. And so uh, Emperor Charles V was the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire, and he called an imperial diet that happened at a place called Augsburg in Germany. And so it was a gathering of... German princes and several other folks, one of the key business items was uh, to try and establish some sort of unity between the Catholic Church and also uh, all these princes and churches and and other theologians who have broken away uh, with the Reformation. So the Reformers were given the opportunity to present what they teach uh, before the emperor as well as several other officials, and the Augsburg Confession is that. Um, so the Augsburg Confession lays out the doctrine of the Reformation. Apart from the small catechism, it's probably uh, one, of the, uh, one of the keystone documents, or probably the keystone document for the Lutheran Church. Uh, the small catechism is there for instruction and everything, but if you really want to get into, okay, like piece by piece, what do Lutherans believe, uh, the Augsburg Confession is the place to start. So again, last week we looked at the fourth article of the Augsburg Confession, uh, which is uh, about justification. Justification, um, if you're not familiar with that term, is really just describing our how we stand before God. You know, what, is, what does God think of us? Does he approve us or does he condemn us? So obviously, if God approves of us, then we are saved. If he condemns us, well, then, well, we're condemned. You already have your answer right there. Uh, so uh, tonight we're getting into that. Uh, we're getting into this next part, um, which usually brings up the next question. And that is, well, then what do we do? Okay, so if we're saved, apart from works, what do we do? And again, this was another big uh, debate within the Reformation, within that time period, and it continues on to this day. So what do we do? Um, And we always sense that, well, you know, okay, we ought to do something. I mean, our whole life isn't just to kind of sit back and, you know, take on, you know, grace and just sort of lay around and say, it doesn't matter, we're saved. So we have to do something, right? And so then now we get to the confusing part. Uh, well, okay, you know, um, we, we have this feeling that we should do something. And not only that, but even the New Testament writers uh, like Paul and, and Peter and, and even Jesus himself are telling us that there are things to do. They give us commands So what is the place of those commands and how does that relate to our salvation or or does it relate to our salvation or is it something different altogether? So we're going to look into that. And once again, uh, this is where the Augsburg confession becomes a really rich resource because it really just sort of lays out cleanly um, the importance of good works, but also how our good works are not so important for our salvation. Just when we're looking at that question, how am I saved? Uh, Going back to last week's video, the answer is Jesus 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 did it all Um, and so but good works are a little bit different So as we're getting started here, uh, just a couple notes. Once again, just uh, thank you for watching. Uh, Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and to our podcast. Uh, We've uh, jumped up to 61 subscribers on our YouTube channel, so if you've subscribed recently, thank you. Um, And uh, we're kind of trying to do some more things with that, uh, taking parts of our worship service and sharing it with you um, piece by piece. uh, So you can have a little bit of this, a song, a children's message, uh, maybe even a part of the sermon coming up. Um, And so we're trying to do that. Uh, so please subscribe to our channel and hopefully we can continue to see that grow, share this with people, uh, as a way of getting the word out. If you're watching on the podcast, I go back and, um, after this post on the podcast, I check and see if there's any comments or questions. So feel free to interact with me there. I'm ready for you. Um, so anyhow, back to this question of good works. Okay. All right. So, uh, One thing I think that we got to address right away when it comes to, you know, well, what is the Lutheran teaching on good works? Like, how are they important? What are we what are we supposed to do? Um, And uh, do they impact our salvation or not? Is we have to recognize that that the Lutheran church has oftentimes been criticized because uh, of our heavy emphasis on grace. And we oftentimes tell you that there is nothing more you need to do to be saved. Jesus has done it all. And sometimes that has been interpreted uh, by outsiders to mean that, um, well, uh, Lutherans don't see any, you know, any reason to teach the law. Um, And sometimes even within the Lutheran church, Lutheran pastors or theologians or sometimes prominent lay people, that idea gets directly communicated. Um, That is a ancient heresy called antinomianism or anti-law, anti-law. And so this is, this is something that um, if you um, listen to somebody who is not so friendly towards the Lutheran church, that's usually one of the first criticisms they'll throw out. Lutherans are anti-law or anti-nomian, all right? And when I mean nomian, I don't mean like those little things you put out on the lawn with the red, cone hats or anything. I mean, again, it it goes back to, I think, a Latin word, uh, law. All right. Antinomian. I'm really bad with Latin. Um, (laughs) And so if you're you're looking for that, I'm sorry. Um, All right. So the other thing is, is that, again, just with justification, there's a big struggle, I think, that happens inside each believer, too, um, when it comes to good works. And it looks like this. Uh, Good works are always trying to sneak their way back in. Like, you know, we're saved. All right, great. Jesus did all this. And then, you know, there's these times where maybe if we had a good week, we start to feel really good about ourselves. And we start to feel confident in our standing before Jesus. And If we pay attention, then in the bad weeks, maybe we don't feel so confident in our standing before Jesus. In our good weeks where we're behaving ourselves, perhaps we'll pray more and we'll just have this general uh, sense of holiness about us. But in the bad weeks, maybe we'll avoid prayer. Maybe we'll think of a reason to not go to worship, maybe not connecting the fact that we're not going to worship because we feel guilty before our God, okay? So this happens a lot. Um, And it happens to me. Um, You know, whenever I've made my bigger mistakes in life, um, you know, maybe that'll be a separate podcast, Um, but whenever I've made my bigger mistakes in life, um, I've felt like the least secure in my salvation. Interesting. And the same way, whenever I feel really good, um, whenever I feel like I've done something well, then I usually tend to feel a bit more confident in my salvation. Um, another thing that happens, and it actually happened to me just this morning, um, was that you know I'm sitting down, I'm doing my devotions, and I'm uh, you know going through prayers and, and 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 stuff like that. And I usually try to kind of spend some time in repentance as well. And so I you know I think about the things that I haven't done so well. And then you know I start praying the Lord's prayer, and I start to think, well, you know, at least you know I'm 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 praying this for, you know, for all people. And, and it's like, why am I needing to pat myself on the back so much? Um, and that's because I'm still trying to justify myself. All right. So if you're watching this in the comment section, uh, maybe you can put that hands up emoji if that's you, you know, or you can just say same. Um, uh, maybe you wrestle with it differently, but the truth is we all wrestle with it uh, no matter how it comes out. Um, so, Fortunately though, we have a good friend, uh, once again, Philip Melanchthon, who does a great job of describing this for us. Uh, so we're gonna look at his writing in the Augsburg Confession, article six, article six. And if you've noticed, we're not doing this stuff chronologically, you know, so we didn't go from four to five. Um, and the reason why, uh, again, we jumped, over, we jumped up to four because the first three articles were not in dispute. And the augsburg confession the catholic church wasn't wasn't fighting over those first three articles with a reformed church but uh here the reason why we're jumping over uh five i'll, I'll show it for you is that it talks about the office of the ministry and then it goes down to article six the new obedience the ministry is a topic we, we will get into later on in this study But um, usually, whenever we talk about salvation, just in my experience, I found that the next question is about good works. So we're doing Article 6 because that covers it. So Article 6 is titled The New Obedience. And here's what this piece of the Augsburg Confession tells us. Also, they teach that this faith is bound to bring forth good fruits and that it is necessary to do good works commanded by God because of God's will. But that we should not rely on those works to merit justification before God. For remission of sins and justification is apprehended by faith, as also the voice of Christ attests. When ye shall have done all these things, say, we are unprofitable servants. Luke chapter 17, verse 10. The same is also taught by the fathers. And by that he means church fathers, historical teachers. For Ambrose says... It is ordained of God that he who believes in Christ is saved and freely receiving remission of sins without works by faith alone. Now there's a couple things there that we want to point out as we go through this. And I actually just had one catch me as I was reading this and I cannot believe I didn't see this before. So we'll go with the stuff I had planned and then we'll, we'll, we'll come back to this thing that just caught me by surprise. So there's your cliffhanger. Pastor Zach got caught by surprise. What is it? (gasps) All right. So anyhow, um, you know, as we look at this, um, the real question is about what is the motivation and source of good works? This is where all the confusion begins. And so if I am trying to earn my salvation, and again, we talked about a couple of different teachings that are still prevalent today where that goes on. Uh, some say that you receive grace uh, apart from any works, but then you need to cooperate with, with God in order to be saved after that. So you have to chip in some good works. Um, others will say that if you aren't completely doing good works already and, and, and really just knocking over the sins that used to get you all the time, then maybe you weren't ever saved in the first place. So, so these questions, both of them, about how or these teachings really center around me as the power and generator of good works. All right. So it has to come from me. I have to do uh, good works that have to start in my heart and in my mind and in my will, my determination uh, so that I can overcome things. Right. Um, but uh, in the Lutheran faith, we teach that the source, the generator, the power of good works comes from the gospel. All right. And so you have this line here. It says, also they, they is the reformers. um, Also, they teach that this faith is bound to bring forth good works. I said that really weird bound, uh, bound to bring forth good fruits. Okay. And it is necessary to do good works because of God's will, but we should not rely on these works to merit justification. Okay. Uh, So uh, in other words, When we receive faith and through faith we receive grace and that all the salvation uh, that God provides and all the forgiveness for every sin, uh, from that will spring forth good works. From that comes a new heart that that once was an enemy and hostile to God, to borrow some of Paul's words in Romans 8, to a heart that is now a slave to Christ, a heart that loves God. And so in the Lutheran Church, we teach that the gospel is the source and motivation and power and steam and whatever else you want to say behind good works. That's driving the cart, all right? So that's something we want to really make sure we're clear on. It's the gospel that does it. So when we talk about this, we're not saying We're not saying that good works aren't necessary, but we're saying they're necessary for a different reason altogether. They are not necessary for salvation, but they are necessary because God has simply commanded them. And we now, through the gospel, are his servants. Okay. Um, They are necessary, uh, as Luther famously taught, uh, not because um, we need to do them for salvation, uh, or because God needs us to do good works, they're necessary for our neighbor. So there are really two reasons we can maybe pull upon here. Why are good works necessary? They're necessary because God commanded them. Why are good works necessary? Answer number two is that our neighbor needs them. Okay, uh, so we have received all the good works in in the uh, that that could ever be from Jesus Christ when we receive faith. Uh, when faith is given to us by the Holy spirit and created in our hearts, we are covered with Christ's righteousness. We are Christ opens up the treasure chest of every good work that he has done and he completely dumps it on us. All right. So we have uh, the full uh, rich treasure of Jesus righteousness right now. Um, So our motivation for good works is, is uh, pointed towards our neighbor because I don't need them. I mean, I don't need, um, these good works to earn salvation, it's also something we do because God commands it and we love God. It really is that simple. Um, and so uh, as, as we go forward here, the next thing we want to do um, is completely eliminate, uh, completely eliminate the entire uh, possibility of good works uh, as a way of gaining salvation or meriting grace or however you want to say it. So we want to, let's, let's get to the heart of this. Let's, let's cut out good works. So this leads me to the second thing here. Um, we are un- Okay. So, sorry. Um, if you look here, I'm going to highlight this. Uh, I'm looking at bookofconcord.org. You can actually, uh, you can go to that and read the Augsburg confession for free. Um, all right. And so right here, I'm doing a bad job of multitasking. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it says here, also the voice of Christ attests when ye shall shall have done all these things. This is like the King James version. It's killing me. When ye shall have done all these things, say we are unprofitable servants. Most modern translations of Luke 1710 will say unworthy servants or something to that effect. So when you have done all the commands of Jesus, we're still unworthy, right? Um, And so Jesus, one, is assuming that his disciples will do good works, um, will do his commands. But also, also, even after doing all these good works, the only thing that we can still say about our own worthiness is that we are unworthy. Um, And so even as Jesus teaches, He's not even giving us a chance to think that our sal- that our works are going to chip into our salvation, that Jesus is covering half the bill and we'll cover the other half. No, even after you've obeyed, you still have this sinful nature in you that makes you unworthy. It's not even the actions that you do. It's the sinful nature that you carry. That alone makes you unworthy. So do all you can, obey all you can, but still salvation is going to come down to me and not you. Um, and so again, so let's let's just cut out the idea of God works, uh, or that good works um, merit salvation entirely by looking at Christ's own words. After all, He's the Savior; therefore, He's the authority. All right. A um, couple of things here. Let's look at uh, Ephesians chapter two, verses eight to ten. Let's see how, in close relationship, or how the how good works and justification are, are sometimes put together in close relationship, and oftentimes because one thing follows right after the other in such rapid-fire order uh, that it can also cause confusion. So Ephesians 2, 8-10 to 10, uh, is a, a verse that uh, Lutherans use, or verses that you, Lutherans use a whole lot. It's also a set of verses that is used against the Lutheran teaching on justification. Isn't that fun? Um, So let's look at it. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through 10. It says for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing for it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay. So, uh, the Lutheran side here is pretty easy to see if you're a Lutheran. Um, if not, you might be seeing the other, the other side. Uh, so just to present this real quick, you know, this is kind of one of the verses we champion. Um, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. All right. Now then, um, well, let's get to this. So very simple. Again, um, you're saved by grace through faith. Paul makes is at pains to tell us that it is not of our works, so that no one can boast in their own righteousness. Um verse ten verse ten says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. All right. So uh verse ten is oftentimes held up. Um uh, in opposition of the Lutheran view and uh, you know one reason for that is that as we read these words um, we see that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works all right so um, in other words that uh, works are something that uh, you have to do all right uh, in order to be in Christ Jesus and again we don't we don't fight the fact that works are something that, you know the Christian needs to do, and that works are commanded by God, and so we should obey them. Uh, but again, remember the two motivations: um, we do good works because we love God, and He commands them. That love is started in our hearts by the gospel. Apart from faith in Christ, we are enemies and hostile towards God. The other thing is, again, we do good works for our neighbor. We are designed, we are created uh, to serve others. Even going back to the very Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were created to do good works, right? They were they were created and they were given commands to do. And yet, the Garden of Eden was given to them apart from anything that they did. The food that they ate was not their work. The life that they had, the air in their lungs, the flowers of the field. Everything was not their work. And yet at the same time, God created Adam and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he created Eve and told them to be fruitful and multiply. And so uh, we know that that, that one, uh, mankind is created to be in fellowship uh, with each other. And not only that, but being created for community, we are created to serve community. So Yes, uh, we are created in advance to do good works. We are created to function that way. Absolutely. And maybe that's why uh, we get so twitchy about good works. And maybe that's why sometimes we're saying, well, don't don't I have to do something? Shouldn't I be doing something? I need to be doing something, right? Um, and well, yeah, you do. Um, but it's not for reasons of salvation. I'm going to be saying that a lot through this podcast. So if you're getting tired of me saying this, sorry. <laughs> I know. Um, all right. Uh, so let's let's move on here, um, you know, um, and look at uh, yeah. Let's look at some more thoughts here from uh, the apology of the Augsburg Confession. And so again, the apology is a different document. I, I know I might be confusing you, um, but the apology is a companion document to the Augsburg Confession. Philip Melanchthon wrote this, um, this is a brief history moment, Philip Melanchthon wrote this in response to the criticism that the Catholic Church put out of the Augsburg Confession. They wrote this in a document called the Confutation. So uh, the Apology is a defense of the Augsburg Confession against this document called the Confutation. So in the Apology you have some expanded writing on the doctrines stated in the Augsburg Confession. And so uh, Article 20 of the Apology, the defense of the Augsburg Confession, uh, has an expanded um, talk on good works. So we're going to look at a quote from that there. It says, furthermore, we have already given ample evidence of our conviction that good works must necessarily follow faith. We do not overthrow the law, Paul says in Romans 3, verse 31, but uphold it. For when we have received the Holy Spirit by faith, the keeping of the law necessarily follows, by which love, patience, chastity, and other fruits of the Spirit gradually increase. All right. Um, so here, again, there's a there's a couple things that we want to point out. Um, first of all, uh, we have that um, the... That, that Again, good works necessarily follow salvation, but also, also uh, love, patience, chastity, and other fruits of the Spirit gradually increase. So then the Spirit takes us uh, through this process of building us up in love and good works, a process we call sanctification, uh, and that is a gradual process. Uh, we talked about this in our small catechism study uh, when we looked at the third article of the creed. And and you can uh, check that out too. That's also available for you on YouTube. I might link that video as well. Um, And so we have that, uh, that, that process doesn't always look smooth. And this is another reason why uh, we sometimes stress over good works and and puzzle over our own salvation. When we've sinned against God, our conscience uh, strikes us um, and sometimes we forget uh, that we are in spiritual warfare and warfare is sloppy and warfare means that sometimes there're gonna be battles that you lose and sometimes there's gonna be battles that you win, but you you may be snatching. Uh, victory out of the jaws of defeat. In other words, uh, you may not have much to feel uh, good about after win because maybe you were dragged through that victory, uh, kicking and screaming, um, because your heart wanted defeat. Um, And so uh, sometimes even winning doesn't feel good. Um, But uh, yet at the same time, uh, we have that uh, this is a process. This is something that the Spirit will work to gradually increase in the life of the Christian. Um, And as I'm talking... I realized that I forgot to tell you something. I said that there was something that caught me off guard uh, that I didn't realize before uh, in our original reading of the Augsburg uh, Confession, article six, and I apologize for that. Um, So let's go back here and I'll catch myself up. All right. Ambrose. Um, So we're looking at article six of the Augsburg Confession. uh, And again, I'm, Sorry if this is confusing because I'm jumping back to something I left several minutes ago. Um, So I said there was something here that that caught me off guard, and I can't believe I didn't catch it. Um, Ambrose was a church father that existed well before the time of the Reformation. So that's one thing you need to know. The other thing you need to know is that again, the Reformation is famous for the solas. All right. So, uh, in the Lutheran Church, we ch- we typically champion three solos. Solas. Um, uh, solas. There there are other Reformed uh, churches will we'll, um, we'll, will will tack on two more for five. Um, we wouldn't be in big disagreement with the extra two, but that's a whole story. So anyway, um, faith alone and grace alone. All right. Uh, and so. Uh, there and, and then um, as we look at those two uh, of the solas, look at this. For Ambrose says it is ordained of God that he who believes in Christ is saved freely by receiving remission of sins without works by faith alone. So even before the solas became a big deal and a big product of reformation thinking, Ambrose, the church father, is already saying this. Um, and so again, that's a big point in the, in the Augsburg Confession that, that uh, as Philip Melanchthon is presenting the view of Martin Luther and many of the other reformers, one major point is, look, we're not teaching anything new, actually. It's the Catholic Church that has fallen into error. We're simply trying to do the work of correcting. We're pointing out that this has been taught all along until at some point it fell off the table and all this other heretical teaching came in. But uh, this is the foundation of the church, that we are saved um, freely uh, by uh, grace alone, coming through faith alone. All right. Uh, so anyhow, I just wanted to get back to that. So that was the thing that caught me off guard. I can't believe I didn't see that. So, uh, we're going to jump back here, um, and, uh, take on another topic, um, that comes up in, uh, the apology of the Augsburg confession and it's this, okay. I'm going to go do the stop share. All right. Uh, it's this, uh, second Peter, uh, chapter one, verse 10. Uh, so we're going to check that out and bring that back up. There we go. All right. So second Peter chapter two, um, or chapter one verse 10. Oh, there we go. Got to type that in there. Sorry about that. Please hold while the webpage loads. Okay, here we are. All right, so Second Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 10, and I'll go ahead and highlight that for us. It says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. This is one of the verses that was brought up uh, in that document I mentioned earlier, the confutation. I hope I'm not confusing you with all these things. Again, go back and look at the Augsburg Confession uh, study that we did just on the history of it. Um, But the confutation, again, was written in response to the Augsburg Confession, and then uh, you had the apology to defend the Augsburg Confession against the confutation. So the confutation is coming from the Catholic Church saying, we don't agree, uh, and here's why. And so, uh, this verse was pointed out, Um, as uh, proof that one needs to uh, cooperate in salvation in order to continue to merit grace. And here's what Peter writes. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. All right. So can you see that? Um, so, uh, we're called to confirm our calling. All right. Peter is saying, confirm your calling. And if you do certain things, you will never fall. All right. So let's, let's look at this. So first of all, this phrase here, confirm your calling and election. All right. Um, so, uh, or actually we want to say diligent. Uh, Some, some translations will say zealous. Uh, So be all the more zealous to confirm your call and election. So be zealous uh, means, you know, or diligent means to strive for doing good works and confirm your call means that you're locking down your salvation, right? So do good works, um, be diligent to confirm uh, your salvation, do good works to lock down your salvation. Uh, so this was used there to show that, you know, good works do merit, uh, greats. um, from the, coming from, you know, the Catholic side. All right. So I've got my mouse going crazy again. All right. Uh, so let's kind of look at the context though of first Peter chapter two, verse three, and we're going to start, uh, and we're just going to kind of work this down. There's, there's a couple things. Um, First, uh, Peter chapter two or chapter, uh, or second Peter, I'm sorry. Chapter one, verse three says his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. All right. So we're going to stop right there. Um, who has, um, uh, granted to us all things, um, that pertain to life and godliness, um, uh, and through the knowledge of him called us to his own glory and excellence, uh, shorthand saying who has given us every good thing and including, you know, when we see glory, we, we know Let's our eventual salvation, the resurrection. Who has who, called us to that? Um, Christ has by his divine power. All right. So how did salvation get to us? By Christ's divine power. I don't see anything in here about what we do to be saved verse 4 by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that you so that through them you may become partakers of divine nature uh, having escaped corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire he has granted to us his great uh, his precious and very great promises let's look at verse 5 Verse five, for this reason, make every effort to supplement your own faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. Oh, no, here we go again. I, I thought God did it all. Now now it's back on us again. Who does the saving? Um, but again, uh, key phrases here, for this very reason. So being granted by his divine power, all right, and then also, or by his, By granted by his divine power, by the promises granted to us by Christ, um, we've escaped. So therefore, we've escaped uh, the world, uh, the corruption of the world. So for this reason, so in response to the incredible gifts that have been fully granted to us, again, granted to us all things. So all things have been given to us, and in response to all things being given to us, For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. So, yes, we're talking about, you know, in a way, adding something to our faith, but let's not get carried away. Um, Peter is not arguing a, a works and faith formula when he says supplement. He is saying that, again, may the gifts you received be your motivation for virtue that you may live up to the calling you have in Jesus. So once again, what is our motivation? Um, Our motivation is the gospel, this, this new heart that we have that loves God and loves our neighbor. Therefore, we do good works, all right? So... Add virtue and knowledge. And then as he goes on in verse six, self-control and steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, verse seven and brotherly brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, um, he's not saying that, um, do these or be condemned, but he is saying, be fruitful for the Lord, serve him, uh, do good works for him. All right. Um, and so then verse nine, for whoever lacks these qualities, again, brotherly affection, self-control, that whole list that we read, in verses seven through eight, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So Peter here is calling us to not forget our salvation. Um, And so then, um, and in order to not forget that we have been cleansed from former sins, verse 10 comes into play now. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Confirm your calling and election so you don't forget. All right, so that's one thing. Um, All right, so... Uh, here's what he's, you know, so here's verse 10 kind of explained in context, uh, you have received every good gift from God as you've received all things, uh, you've received salvation. Um, you've received, um, you know, the, the promise to, uh, to be in his glory and his excellence. you've received his promises, um, you're partakers of the divine nature, all that, again, those were things he granted to us. Peter clearly says that, um, but, uh, we tend to forget that we're saved, and we let that forgetfulness um, sometimes just completely drown us. Um, and we're also tempted to be lazy um, in, in good works as well. And so Peter is teaching us against those things. Uh, so um, what we have here is is confirm. In other words, remember. So confirming is not is not contribute. Confirm doesn't mean contribute. He doesn't say uh, contribute to your calling an election. He says confirm it. Uh, so it's kind of like um, when you have a, a date set with somebody, maybe you've got a meeting or you're going to hang out with friends or you're uh, having dinner with family, you might call and say, hey, are we still on four? Right? And you ask that person to confirm. Right, and so as we press into the promises of God, as we uh, read His Word, and as as we uh, consider the great gifts that He has given us, um, we are confirming our calling and election. And then He also says this: For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Now, a couple of things there: Peter is not teaching us that um, uh, that we will become suddenly perfectly uh, sinless um, and completely righteous, uh, because after all, Peter himself is a great example of the sinner's struggle with grace. Uh, we, we know his <laughs> failures, uh, and yet we also know that he is righteous uh, for the sake of Christ. Um, and so, um, uh, so, but there's something that happens, though, when we pursue these qualities of self-control, steadfastness, godliness, and brotherly affection, it tends to... Uh, it tends to actually confirm grace for us, right? And it tends to actually motivate us to further good works and motivates us to avoid sin. Let me give you an example of what I mean. So, um, we pray, right? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We had this sermon on Sunday about, uh, forgiveness. So you can, you can check that out too. But, um, You know, so forgiveness is a good work. When I forgive somebody, not what Christ does, but when I forgive somebody, that's a good work. Um, And uh, yet when I do that, though, um, when I forgive somebody or when somebody forgives me, what happens is that right in front of my eyes, I see a living example of grace. All right? So then uh, in my relief um, that I've been forgiven or in my joy That I've been able to forgive somebody else Uh, then I look back and I say yeah grace is good right Um, what I have given this person is what I have received from Christ and what a wonderful thing that is right so we practice these qualities. We practice brotherly affection and love and everything else that Peter listed. We practice following the commands because as we do these things, um, we, we see examples in front of us that point us back to Christ, uh, which, you know, again, strengthens us in our salvation. So you can pick your good work. Um, and kind of apply the same thing. If I am ever able to free myself from selfishness for just a few moments and I'm generous with somebody oh, that fills my heart and I say, yeah, you know, that is grace. And that is exactly what Christ has done for me. And so I have another example of what the gospel is um, in a real concrete way. Um So you can do this with acts of service or charity or prayers, whatever the good work, you name it. Um, As we practice these qualities, uh, that grace is confirmed in us and it encourages us and motivates us towards uh, doing uh, more good and increasing in good works. So good works then remain separate from our salvation. They add nothing to it. Yet they do have a way of reassuring us of salvation. They do have a way of, of saying, yeah, yeah, that's really it, you know? Um, and so I hope that makes sense. Um Uh, But again, uh, just think about a time where maybe you've forgiven somebody or maybe where you've done uh, a good work that was a little bit outside of yourself, something that that you never thought you you might do for somebody else. Um, Did that not uh, create a moment of worship in your heart uh, saying, thank you, Jesus, for doing the same for me? Um, And so uh, in these moments, uh, as we pursue good works, yeah, it does provide confirmation, um, but it is not contributing. Uh, to our salvation. All right. So one last thing, um, as we wrap up tonight, uh, so once again, our lives are lived underneath the cross of Jesus. Um, one thing that's really annoying about the Christian church right now, uh, is that there's, um, uh, an ongoing, uh, a message, I guess that's the word I'm looking for, a message uh, that's put out in books and in conferences and in podcasts and big time preachers and big time speakers and influ- influential celebrities and all that stuff uh, to do more, right? To not accept the mundane, to always dream bigger, because if you're not dreaming bigger, then then really you have a small God and God isn't small. And so there's this teaching about about all this stuff. But, but really all of that, all, all these people that say that are well, forgive me here, but they're giant headache machines from the cult of never good enough <laughs> and so um, what happens um, when 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 again uh, we start to put our good works into our salvation, when we start to count on our good works uh, in order to feel any sense of righteousness, well, we start to fall away from Christ when we do that um, and we get more distant from that gospel that that has saved us. Um, and so, uh, at the end of the day, we rest, we rest on, on Christ's grace and on his mercy. Um, so sometimes in life, your good works, they're going to feel flat. They're going to feel like they're not much at all. Sometimes you may not even be be able to detect anything good that you've ever done. Um, and, uh, you know, I think there's one verse that might uh, speak powerfully to that. I I know that it has uh, for me. Um, And here we go right here. Isaiah 30 verse 15. For thus said the Lord God, the Holy one of Israel in returning or repenting and rest, you shall be saved and quietness and in trust shall be your strength. The verse concludes by saying, "But you were unwilling, um, <laughs> so Israel wasn't listening." Um, so, but but let's focus on that first part. Um, For thus the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, um, said, "In returning and rest you shall be saved; in quietness and trust shall be your strength." The goal of the Christian is not to count up good works. Um, it's not um, necessarily to always be pursuing. Um, bigger and better as a, as a follower of the cult of not good enough, never good enough. And also when we recognize that even our good works are still contaminated with our sinful nature. Um, And when we look around and see all the missed opportunities for good, Isaiah 30 verse 15 says, return to the Lord, your God and rest in him and you will be saved. We never get away from the grace of God. We cannot work our way past it. We cannot obey our way past it. Uh, And so we have this peace presented to us from the gospel that when our works fall short or flat and where they don't seem like they're enough, and we count up all the missed opportunities and returning and rest, you shall be saved. Christ has done it all. And we draw upon his mercy and grace. And it's a treasury that never, brothers and sisters, runs out. So uh, with that, uh, we're going to finish today. Um, So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, One more reminder, please share this podcast. And I do have an announcement. Um, I've got to go back uh, to teaching junior high confirmation students on Wednesday nights. But that doesn't mean that this study is going to end. So what we're going to do is I'm going to set up... um, Uh, Pre recorded uh, study. Um, I'll probably do that in my office during the week and then I'll set it to premiere on Wednesday night while I'm teaching confirmation class. You can uh, hang out and watch these videos um, and uh, continue to grow and learn. Put your questions in the live chat, uh, put them in the comments section, and we will uh, catch up with you then. Also, if you have any prayer requests, please let me know. But hope everybody has a great evening. And uh, if I haven't been able to see you at due to the pandemic, I hope that things change with this so that we can see you soon. God's blessings.